Here comes Schofield. Oh! Nastiness. Wait a second. Driving left, dunking right over Love. All right. Who can do it? Well, I, I do like lanes. That's what she said. He's got everything going early on. Schofield, the theft. And look at the Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Big, big win for Tennessee basketball time. Still waiting to find an offensive coordinator for the Tennessee football team time. That's okay because, hey, big, big win in Tennessee basketball time. Whatever time of day it is, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a late Monday afternoon, early Monday evening. And that's right, I said Monday. Monday? Go Vols 24-7 podcast on a Monday? To quote Andre Dawson, what year is this? But we have reasons, guys. We have reasons for bringing you a Monday Go Vols 24-7 podcast. couple reasons. First off, I have had a lot, a lot of strong Guatemalan coffee today. Probably 1.5 cups too many if I had to guess. Hope my doctor is not listening to this. Second, and more importantly, what a Sunday for Tennessee basketball, guys. What a Sunday for Tennessee basketball. Tennessee 76 Gonzaga 73, final score. Vols erase a nine-point deficit in the second half, come from behind to beat the top-ranked Gonzaga Bulldogs. Tennessee now gone from number seven to number three in the most recent AP poll as a result of that performance. A performance that was so surprising for so many reasons. Tennessee winning the game in and of itself, I don't think you could call that a surprise. Maybe a mild surprise. Certainly not shocking. But the way Tennessee won that game, huge. Huge. Grant Williams, SEC Player of the Year, fouls out with exactly two minutes and 30 seconds left in the game. Tennessee trailing by a small margin at that point. And I don't blame you if you're a Tennessee fan at that point and you're thinking, well, there goes that game. I wouldn't blame you for that. Saw that against Kansas, right? Tennessee goes out there, plays really well, has a chance to beat one of the best teams in the country. And then Grant Williams fouls out, and that's that. Admiral Schofield tries to rally the troops, doesn't quite have enough in the tank to do it by himself, and Tennessee loses the game. Fast forward just a couple weeks, Tennessee playing Gonzaga in a neutral side environment that was much more kind of like a road game for reasons that we'll get to a little bit later in the podcast. But at that point, Tennessee comes from behind. No Grant Williams, no Lamonte Turner, who still hasn't been able to get cleared or get get back from that shoulder injury. Uh, So no Lamonte Turner, no Grant Williams, and no problem. And the reason why, Admiral Schofield had the performance of a lifetime. What an unbelievable performance. We saw Admiral Schofield play so well for Tennessee late last season. When Grant Williams was banged up a little bit, they really needed Admiral to kind of carry the load, and he did that. But last night, or I guess I should say Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, 
That was another level. Admiral Schofield scores Tennessee's final 11 points, including eight consecutive points after Grant Williams leaves the lineup and wills Tennessee to a huge, huge win. Schofield with a couple of massive threes down the stretch. He finished 6 of 10 from three-point range. Hit banked in one. Probably should have called glass on that one. He didn't. But that was a big moment. Gave Tennessee a 73-71 lead. Then Gonzaga goes down and ties the game. And then Admiral, when Tennessee turned down the opportunity to go two for one, and at that point I said, what are you doing, Vols? Go for the two for one. College teams never do it, and it drives me nuts. Tennessee didn't do that. Tennessee called timeout and then got the ball to Admiral Schofield. And what did he do? Hit an NBA range three to give Tennessee a 76-73 win. Huge shot. Huge, huge win for Tennessee. And there's a lot of reasons we need to talk about this, and we will get to all of that. We're going to do that two ways. First off, we're going to bring you about a 20-minute interview or so with Rick Barnes from Monday afternoon, Monday morning. And then we're going to get to a conversation that I had with Grant Ramey, who was stuck at the Denver International Airport for most of today, the Denver Illuminati Airport. As we all know, Grant Ramey, New World Order, Illuminati, that's obviously he's a part of it because he's spending the entire day Monday at the, at the International Airport there in Denver. And if you've ever been a conspiracy theorist, you know all about the Denver International Airport. And Ramey said that he had a long layover. It's the only way to do it. He just had to do it that way coming back. I'm not buying it. I think something else is going on there. And we'll have more on that later. But first, we're going to get to about an 18, 19, 20-minute interview with Tennessee basketball coach Rick Barnes from Monday morning. Then we'll come back. Then we'll toss it to a conversation I just had with Grant Ramey earlier. And then we will get on out of here. But first off, let's hear from the man himself, Tennessee basketball coach Rick Barnes. Good morning. How's everybody? Well, yeah, we, I mean, we've been through it enough with our guys knowing that, you know, those last couple minutes of the game when you fought back and things swing your way a little bit and, and the game is never over. I think they, they realize that. I mean, actually, uh, you just know that some, so many things can happen in a college basketball game and it can turn quickly where guys stop concentrating and starts celebrating thinking it's over and it's just never over. So he's been through enough of them to see it and, and you know, he can get emotional himself at times. But I, I did think that he was really the latter part of the game. I thought our team did. The way we closed the first half and the, the latter part of the game, we showed some grit, showed some toughness because we were in some foul trouble, as was Gonzaga with at the end of the first half. And I think both teams were just trying to get through there without any more damage done with fouling. But, uh, way we uh, made some Jordan Bowden was big uh, but Admiral was you could tell he was locked in there at the end there's no question he was Coach, how much do you think you guys benefited from the experience against Kansas in New York yesterday? How much did you think that played Well, you know, we still go back and talk about some of the games over the last two years that we've been in. You know, we often refer back to what we learned from the Villanova game a year ago. Uh, we did talk about uh, the Kansas game and knowing that uh, the mistakes that we made, we talked about being overly emotional and and not really being as 
as uh, disciplined as we needed to be offensively against Kansas. We we had a lot of possessions that we got again just too emotional, took tough shots, and we knew that. Uh, and I think what these guys have learned more and more uh, through these games is you truly have to play for 40 minutes, and uh, you've got to understand how important every single possession is, and you don't have to be perfect. And we and we don't we told them that before both of those games and we don't have to be but we've got to we've got to try and know that uh, you're playing against a team yesterday Gonzaga is really they're one of the best transition teams that, that we've coached against in a long time they really make you pay if you don't get back and talk and they hurt us there because uh, they're, they're really good they know what they're doing they get where they need to go and they're just so extremely well coached but uh, I, I think and you think about Kansas, same thing. They, they, they hurt you. If, you. if you take bad shots or turn the ball over, they're going to make you pay. And that's one of the biggest things I think that you, we would take away from both of those games. Wes, Charlie, and then Austin. With Brent's fifth foul there, how surprising was that for a guy who probably knew that he was on four fouls? Did he just kind of get – did he know he was on four fouls at that point? And he did. He and I were just over talking before I walked over here, and he asked me about it, and he said, uh, what do you think? I said, early in the game, you got to let that go, but at that stage of the game, you got to make that play. He's got to be willing to sacrifice himself and do that. And because uh, it's a one-two one possession game at that point in time, and I said, you've got to – and again, he uh, – I don't know if he could hold himself back anyway because he's going to be competitive and, and we worked so hard at trying to challenge things at the rim and it's just uh, what I did tell him about the fouls he can't commit is uh, the one when he tried to pick up a charge 15 feet from the basket. Those are plays. You know, Admiral picked up a, a cheap one early out on the perimeter 30 feet from the basket. Those are the fouls those guys have to stay away from. But Grant's last two fouls, you know, there's a lot of wrist touching and in the lane all night long with both teams. I mean, because uh, both teams were contesting shots, and and that that happens. And you know, he he probably was more upset about his fourth foul than he was. Uh, but that one, again, I told him at that point in time in the game, he's got to make that play. You know, there, there's a lot of uh, things. I mean. There's a lot of ways you can you can describe toughness, and uh, you know toughness is sometimes when you're not shooting the ball well, you got to keep taking your shots. You know, you're not going to you're not going to make the next one if you don't shoot it. And you know, you think of what he's gone through the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, taking first time since he's been here, he hasn't been in the starting lineup, uh, but you saw him respond really well. I, I watched him since that where it's, he's really responded well. And I will go back and tell you, I don't care really who starts. Uh, we're going to do whatever we have to do to try to get everybody playing at the highest level they can play. Then you go back and think about him. He's been very good in practice. He, he was really, really good this week in practice. And on uh, Friday, he tweaked his ankle. And uh, we were having a great practice and just one of those freak things. And uh, when he went out, I mean, it became a, just a hush across the prep. Pavilion court because I mean, he, I mean he was playing great, so he didn't practice anymore really up until uh, he did a little bit on. Uh, I don't think he did very much at all out there. He didn't practice 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 at all, but he shot and did some things. And Chad and Garrett did a great job from the time he turned his ankle in practice. They they never stopped working on him, and 
he um, told me, he said, I'll be ready. He said, I'm, I, I, I'll be ready. And I thought he went in yesterday, and I thought he was really the biggest key in the game because when we were really struggling to shoot, score the ball, and we missed some shots, I mean, he got aggressive, and he was, he was the guy that got it going. And then a big play of the game uh, when Norvell got going, and we knew he could get going. We knew they were going to try to get him going, and they did. And we told Bowden to get on him and just take him out. Just you got no responsibility other than uh, trying to down him. Don't let him come off those walkaway screens. Just and he did a terrific job. He really did, and uh, he, he does a lot of that. And I thought he got back in the last week and a half playing the way that that we need him to play. Coach, I know uh, you take very pride in playing the tough on top of the Well, it was hot. It wasn't a neutral. It wasn't a neutral site yesterday. Well, it, it wasn't. When the pre, when the president of Grand Canyon texts his or emails his students and say you come to the game in Port from Gonzaga, and that that's a by the way that's one of the great student bodies of all time, and for the president to send an email out and say hey we want you to come to the game in Port from Gonzaga because I think you want to get in that league with Gonzaga. And if you'd heard the introduction before the game, you wouldn't, you would not think it was a neutral site game. But I really do appreciate our fans because there were some orange in that building yesterday. And our last two trips, you know, we've had some people travel over what 40, 50 people travel with us, make the trips, and and uh, I really appreciate that because I think it shows where our program is continuing to grow. But uh, uh, yesterday's atmosphere, it was an unbelievable feel in the building, and uh, but. This week, obviously, we travel to Memphis, which will be, uh, uh, I'm sure they, Memphis is one of the great basketball cities. I mean, I've always appreciated what Memphis basketball is about, and Penny Hardaway's done a great job creating the excitement that they want, and, uh, but we, this week, and I think, I think he, along with all coaches this time of year, when you're in December, you're still worrying about you getting your team better, and I think we all do that, but, uh, uh, but I do think our guys embrace being in a uh, an environment where there's a lot of people there. And like I said yesterday, it was truly a great basketball environment. Mike and Jim. Yeah, Rick, uh, two questions. Uh, one great net set assist yesterday. Is, what's his passing meant uh, to your team? And then two, on my part, you know, uh, do you know if you guys went out and celebrated a ball house last night? Um, well, Grant can pass the ball. Sometimes he a little bit overly aggressive with it, but he likes to pass the ball. He really does. And they were, they, we had to adjust a little bit last night because we, uh, they, they were, I mean, they're such a well coached team and they were sitting on that inside out pass to the backside and they almost got it a few times, but Grant was making the right play. Only one time I thought he took a quick, tough shot, but uh, you, you know what? He, he felt, uh, and we, again, we just talked about it. He felt like he wasn't shooting the ball that well and, he was really trying to get other guys involved, and that, that's a sign of maturity and understanding that. Uh, but he does like to pass it. Did they go? To the, I don't know if they went to the Waffle House, and they did tell me that when he got back here to the dorm, there were a lot of students were waiting on him, and, and which is really neat because I like to think our guys understand that we're just a small part of this university and appreciate the fact that people, you know, care about what we're doing because I know they we all care about what they're doing, and uh, with exam period being what it is, but. I do know that, and uh, uh, we got back late. We had a little bit quicker trip getting, but we got back earlier than we thought, right? Uh, got a, had a good tailwind, had, had not, didn't have one going out there, but uh, uh, our guys are in exams right now, and, but I know they appreciate the support they, 
I know they got it to dorm and did, did they go out to walk is that what you're telling me yeah that's a little, a little bit out of their price range yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah they are believe me they don't they don't they get a lot of food You know, Jimmy, it's December. Well, first of all, with Lamonte, you know, it's up to him. You know, he's still rehabilitating. When he thinks he can play, I guess he'll play. And, uh, but with, you know, it's December. And uh, I think that uh, these games are, you know, we're all trying to build resumes. We know that. And uh, is it important? It, uh, all of, I think all these games are important. I do. And, and uh, but the fact is, Gonzaga is a, I mean, you go back for as long as I can remember now, you know, they've, they've been there. And um, the fact that they were the number one ranked team in the country, and I will tell you, they are really, really good. And, and there is no doubt that they're a national championship contender. There's no doubt. I mean, they, they're down a man, a really good player. And they get him back, and, uh, and Mark does such a great job. They are really an explosive offensive team. And, and they were, what, I think averaging, what, 96, 98 points coming in. and, and uh, but it, it was a really, it was, it was a hot, but the official came over to me and said, you know, this feels like March. I said, well, let's referee like March, you know, but, uh, but it did. It had that feel. It did. It did. And I think we all felt that. And I thought, I thought the officials did a good job in a game. It was, it was a hard fought game inside of 10 feet. I'm telling you, 10, 12 feet. It was some, it was a really hard fall because, and we knew that coming in and that it was going to be, they knew it. But uh, again, I, it's just, you know, it is what it is. They were ranked number one, and uh, and, it, and you saw it could have gone either way. But our guys did finish well in the first half and the and, uh, latter part of the game when we were down. We we did have some good defensive plays. Arizona was okay with us, and we showed some grit. But, uh, again, we, we've got to get better. And, and I'm telling you, we have to get better. And uh, our guys know that. I mean, Grant, we were just talking. And he, was, he gave me a list of things that he knows he's got to get better with. And when you've got a team that can – Think like that, you know, Jalen Johnson can help us. We've got to keep getting him to where he, because he can really be a contributor to us. He uh, has done a lot of good things, but he made some mistakes last night in transition that he's going to have to communicate better and uh, understand that, uh, you know, those some of those transition plays are hard, but he's got he's to get better there. And uh, But Derek and Folky, those guys are, are key guys. And uh, so we've still got to get better. And, and I'm, I'm happy for our guys, but I didn't think they were overly, you know, excited. I mean, they were excited. They should be because they beat, a, you know, they won a game against an outstanding team. But uh, I think it's, you know, again, we just got so such a long way to go. Coach, how much is, is Lamont Turner been a leader in the team while he's been all the things you have in his shoulder injury? We can tell yesterday he was very excited. He was talking up his teammates. Well, you know, he, he, I thought he was great yesterday. Twice, you know, the uh, officials got fouls wrong, and he and they, they corrected. But he, but he was the first guy that jumped up, but and uh, talked about it. And but he was great with his teammates, you know, trying to encourage them. And uh, he's locked in with his team. He, he is, and. Uh, he wants to get healthy, there's no doubt, and, and he's the guy that's got to decide when he thinks he can 
move and play the way, because it's, it's physical. It's not so much, you know, just uh, shooting the ball, any of that. It's, you know, out there, when you're a point guard, you're getting hit all the time. You know, screens here, there, because uh, they're on the ball. He's on the ball quite a bit, and those ball screens, they come up and get you. And, and um, so he's got to just feel good about it. But, but I, I do know yesterday he was really, truly locked in with his teammates. We I want to read you Tom's notes that he does a good job with here because he does this. I don't do this, but he said Jordan Bones scored five points versus Gonzaga, and his nine assists directly led to 25 points. Jordan Bone had three assists in the final four minutes that led to eight points. Though his points and his, is that his points and assists, Bone has has accounted for 32 percent of our points this season. How's that, Tom? Fantastic. So that's Tom's stats. And you know what? Uh, we felt going in that he had a really tough defensive assignment. Uh, that uh, we we told him that their point guard was ahead of the snake, and he was going to have to try to control as much as he could. And I thought both of those guys went at each other pretty good. They did, and, uh, uh, you know, Perkins didn't have a particularly great shooting game either, and, and they, were, they were really daring Jordan to shoot it. You know, they were going way under. We, had, we actually told him, man, you got to – if you don't shoot the ball, if they're going under, it's going to really get us stymied on offense, and you shoot it, we'll go get it. You know, we had seven turnovers, but two of those turnovers came off of aggressive offensive rebounds. You know, he went up and got one there, and remember he came down and couldn't get his feet under him. Then at the end of the game – Three guys tripped over each other when we had the ball, which was a, one of those plays. But, uh, but uh, overall, I, th I think that you know he, he's getting better, and and he's got to continue to improve. When you've got a player like Admiral who you know, you know physically when he wants to put the ball on the on the, on the ground and kind of put it put it up near the rim, he's pretty strong and physical and can do that. How tough is it to? Let that guy go out and shoot, knowing that you know. I know you, I know you trusted now to go shoot that, but when you knew he was so good, around the paint, so strong, how tough was it to let that guy give him a leash to go outside? Well, you know, the last two plays, you know, we we ran a, a play for him to get the ball and allow him to play off the dribble there. From you know, I, I think he's a terrific 15-foot player and in, and and I've watched him. I said this to him after the game. When that shot went in, I immediately thought about how many hours I've sat in that gym and watched him in there work on that shot and, and with deep range. And I watch him go through his routine. And, and uh, he's a guy that you, you, there's a couple guys on our team, when they really shoot the shot that, that you know that they practice, you're really surprised when it doesn't go in, you know. And uh, he banked that one in, but when we had the timeout, we is really we had we had a really good fun timeout that last timeout. We were talking and we knew we were going to get him the ball, and we were talking whether or not. Uh, it's funny because a couple of players say, "Let's run." We have a call 53. That's his play for him, or he's really posting three. And and uh, some guys were calling that. Some guy and. Um, I think Coach Lanier asked him where he wanted the ball. He said, I don't care. I said, well, we're not going to run 53 because if you do that, they're going to post it. I said, we're going to run this little high ball screen and we're going to throw it back. And, and we, I told him, I said, just knock it down, make the play. And then it was up to him whether he shot the three or you go back to the play before that, he, we kind of ran him off a little dribble at and, and let him get a play with the ball off the dribble. But, uh, 
and we said, hey, will you, and, we, and those other guys knew he was going to shoot it, and they were ready to go get it. But uh, it was neat listening to his teammates talking about where do we want to get him the ball. And he said, wherever. And uh, so we just went with the high ball screen, and, and, he, and he knocked it down. I thought what he did yesterday was a really big key in the game because that, that was a really a big boy game yesterday. There was, there was a lot of action around the rim. And, yeah, he, he and he's, again, you go back to yesterday, Admiral got himself going by rebounding the ball. He was struggling shooting the ball. and But Admiral really got himself going. He went in there and really started going after the rebounds. and. But Grant, and, and I will say this, I think he, I think they're all better when they're when they're really focused on that. And but Grant was huge on the glass yesterday, and and uh, I just, again, I told you, I think he should be a double double guy every night, and and I think that's the challenge that he's going to have to accept, and and uh, and it's not easy because people are going going to work and try to keep him off the glass, and you know I thought Kyle was uh, very efficient yesterday too, with uh, he didn't get to play a lot, but. Uh, but he, when he was in there, he, he definitely made an impact. But uh, but, that, but uh, Grant's rebounding has been better. I think he's had double double rebounds the last couple of games, right? I don't I don't know what he. Yeah. Not really. You know, I didn't know that until you'd think if somebody's been coaching as long as I have, you'd like to think that you would have done it sooner. But I, I don't remember how many number one teams we played against. I know we beat uh, uh, Connecticut the year we won the Big East Championship. They were ranked number two. With, I know that game, but uh, I don't know how many times. I, Tom might know that, but uh, no, I, I really hadn't. And I didn't even know that until Admiral said it during the press conference yesterday. All right. Thank you all. Thank you. That was Tennessee basketball coach Rick Barnes, as always, giving a lot of food for thought, as Deacon Reverend Congressman Rick Barnes tends to do. Lots of stuff there about Gonzaga, lots of stuff about uh, the kind of the past to the present and the future of Tennessee basketball. Always good to catch up with Rick Barnes, the man in the know, the man pulling the strings there at Pratt Pavilion slash Thompson Bowling Arena. So after we've Heard from Rick Barnes. Now we're going to get to a conversation that I had just about an hour or so ago with Tennessee basketball beat writer for Go Vols 24-7, the one and only Mr. Sunshine, Mr. Personality, Mr. Illuminati, Grant Ramey. We're joined now by esteemed Go Vols 24-7 colleague Grant Ramey, who is uh, at the Denver airport, home of the Illuminati, if you're a conspiracy theorist, but uh, certainly home to Grant on Monday, on this long, long Monday layover day. Grant, how you doing, buddy? I am still alive in this uh, Illuminati, uh, New World Order, uh, all that stuff, uh, weird paintings on the wall, weird, weird sculptures, uh, but I'm still here. Have you found where any bodies are buried or any important things have happened? Like may- maybe any occult New World Order type stuff? Uh, I have not, but uh, if I did, we would change the podcast subject immediately. Yes, we would have to. Grant, you know, the reason you're in Denver is because you were in Phoenix, Arizona on Sunday 
which I did find out, we did find out, is nowhere near the Grand Canyon, as it turns out. It's a, it's a few hours away. But Phoenix is where Tennessee played basketball on Sunday, and it was a, quite the day. The uh, then seventh-ranked Vols beat number then number one-ranked Gonzaga 76-73 to in a real thriller, real thriller over there. Grant, what was that atmosphere like? What, what was that, that game? It looked like there were a, a decent amount of Tennessee fans there, and, and it, it, it kind of looked like it was just a really interesting kind of environment. Yeah, there were there were a pocket of Tennessee fans. I think they announced attendance was something around ten thousand. I think it's a sixteen thousand, eighteen thousand seat arena. Uh, it was obviously a Gonzaga home game, uh, given the proximity to Gonzaga compared to uh, obviously to Knoxville. Uh, kind of an interesting thing was when we pulled up to the arena. There's this huge line of Grand Canyon students lined out the door around the block. Obviously, Grand Canyon played the second game against Nevada, and they're known to have a really raucous kind of student section, student following at their home games. Uh, but the president of Grand Canyon had emailed the students saying, y'all need to come out and cheer for Gonzaga during this first game, uh, basically because they were trying to get into Gonzaga's conference. Uh, so they had an extra 2,200 students there uh, kind of as a presence for Gonzaga. So it, it was a true road game in just about every sense of the, uh, the word. Were they trying to get to a situation where uh, they they got late in the game and they had a lead so they could start chanting like Dub C C Dub C C? <laughs> I don't, you know. I wonder, you know, what when you say road game was it? Because on TV, I'll be honest, I, that's that's the vantage point I had for the game, and, and it looked, I mean, certainly like maybe a few more, a little more noise for Gonzaga, but it, it didn't seem like a road game. But you're saying there in person, it felt like a road game. Yeah, it, it felt like a road game, I thought. It was kind of uh, when you can kind of just kind of feel how the arena responds uh, in and out of a, uh, kind of the ebbs and flows of a game. Uh, when Gonzaga would put a, f- a couple stops together, Gonzaga would hit a couple of big shots. Uh, it, it kind of sounded a lot more like a home game uh, than a neutral site game for Tennessee. Now, that game itself, what – what was what were your thoughts of the performance of Tennessee? Because we're going to talk about the magnitude of the win, obviously, but just in terms of, of purely the performance, you know, when you, when you're playing a, a another team that's really good, you're naturally not going to look like you look against Texas A&M Corpus, Corpus Christi. You're you're gonna you're gonna get exposed in some areas. You're gonna make some mistakes, and I guess the question at that point is how much of that is stuff that you did to, to cause it versus how much the opponent did to you. What do you make of not maybe not the result, but just Tennessee's performance in that game, in that environment? I thought it was supreme toughness, uh, I guess is one way to describe it, because they, they started out really well. I think they hit 60% of their shots uh, through the first media timeout, something like 8 of 13, and Eve Pons was hitting jumpers, and uh, I think they hit three of their first five threes. So they started out hot and hit, uh, and hit that nine-point lead. Uh, and then they kind of went through some uh, went through some dry periods where they had to kind of rely on their defense to kind of keep them in that game. And uh, I mean, when you come back from down nine against a team that's as good as Gonzaga uh, and Rory Hachimura and as good as Brandon Clark played and uh, just all the pieces that they have, uh, I mean, that's a, that's a really tough performance. I mean, Tennessee had 22 assists on 29 made buckets. They only had seven turnovers. Uh, they only allowed... Uh, I don't know a handful of transition points, uh, so that's a that's, that's a that's a pretty gutsy performance. Given that Tennessee only really used like six guys, yeah, uh, this early in the season against a really good team, and, and they did that d- despite playing again with only one kind of pure point guard on the roster or one that was available. You know, because because Lamonte Turner 
obviously was not able to go again. And, and Tennessee, it, it's funny, I'm laughing because uh, we hear the announcements in the background. Again, reminder, TSA, we're talking baby. to Grant from, a, uh, from a, the Denver uh, Illuminati Airport. And so it, it just seems like the way Tennessee played in that game without – I mean, that, you know, Jordan Bone's a good point guard. There's no question about it. He's, he's a Koozie Award candidate. But without having a second kind of point guard available – and the way they were able to to sort of to to go back and forth with with Gonzaga to be strong on the ball, uh, that that spoke volumes to me because Gonzaga, you know, we talk about all the pieces Gonzaga has. Among those pieces is a really really good fifth year senior point guard. So I think Tennessee's performance kind of on the ball was pretty strong in that game, considering all the the factors. Yeah, and and that's kind of something I asked Rick about after the game. I said, "Are you concerned with your rotation at this point when you're basically just relying on?" Uh, six guys there's only so long that you can make that work uh here's another passenger paging well what we'll just what we'll do is we'll call this episode the uh grant ramey uh slash uh feature featuring grant ramey and the tsa all-stars that's what we'll it's like call a, it's like a throwback to my day in the airlines but no i mean and, and bone didn't even really stand out as somebody that played that well i know he finished with i think nine assists and had some big assists late in the game uh, but obviously he can play better. But, I mean, still, you look at this team, who's contributing, who's doing what. They have so many different pieces that can help them uh, that aren't really helping them that much right now. Uh, obviously, Lamonte Turner didn't play. That's another thing going forward that uh, if he comes back, he makes them that much better of a team. But uh, to win that kind of game and that kind of atmosphere at this time of year, uh, relying on the guys that you had to rely on kind of shorthanded with a short bench, uh, that's, a, that's a pretty – pretty gutsy win all over the place you know it's interesting that, that we talk about Tennessee's bench and how much better it can play and you're 100 percent right about that and I was shocked when I looked at the numbers and saw that I think Tennessee outscored Gonzaga something like 22 or 17 to 5 or something like that on in, in bench production which was was pretty surprising to me but hey I mean Gonzaga's got a guy or two out also so I guess that that kind of is what it is but the real sort of you know, in journalism, what we would call the nut of the story is that Grant Williams fouled out of the game again, as he did against Kansas. This time fouled out of the game with about, I think, exactly two minutes and 30 seconds left on the clock. Uh, Tennessee goes down by a few points after some free throws with that. And then Admiral Schofield just takes over. He scored Tennessee's final 11 points, scored 30 points. Uh, just an unbelievable game. Six three-pointers, I think six of 10 from three-point range. Hit some really, really, really tough buckets there down the stretch uh, just to me that was an F we've all seen him play really well he was back-to-back SEC player of the week a couple times late last season and, and really the, the last eight or ten games of the season he was fantastic for Tennessee but that was sort of the uh, NCAA tournament Admiral Schofield that popped back up and he was just remarkable in that game I don't think I've ever seen him play better no and I don't, I don't know if we've seen anybody during the Barnes era put together a performance like that obviously Grant Williams has dropped you know, he scored 37 at Vanderbilt, I guess, last year. He scored 30 a couple times, maybe two or three times in his career at this point. Uh, but to do what Admiral did to hit the shots that he hit in the moments that he hit them uh, against the team that he hit them against. I mean, I wrote Tennessee off in that game with about nine minutes left when John Fulkerson missed three straight free throws and he could have cut it to a one-possession game. And Zach Norvell went down on the other end and hit a three. Uh, and that was, that was a backbreaker, yeah. I thought that was the dagger. How are you going to come back from this? Uh, and then just Admiral just took over, man. I mean, uh, that's that's as big as shots as we've seen uh, hit for the Tennessee basketball program in a really long time. And Admiral was, like you said, really, really good at the 
the close of last season, maybe the last two, three weeks, uh, late February into March. And I think everybody expected him to pick up there uh, this season. And he kind of, I don't, I don't know if you'd say he struggled through the first couple weeks of the season, but he just didn't seem quite like he had found his rhythm uh, and found his flow. But, man, he exploded, uh, and he carried them. He scored eight of those final 11 after Grant fouled out. Uh, and when Grant fouled out against Kansas uh, a couple weeks ago in New York, that was when Tennessee struggled to do anything offensively. And here it goes. It happens again, uh, this time against the number one team, and, and Admiral just – uh, completely takes it to a different level. And, and what nobody's talking about really is Grant Williams had 16, 12, and 7. So he was three assists away from a triple-double uh, in less than 38 minutes. So uh, those are your two horses, Amanda. They carry them yesterday. Yeah, and you look at it, and, you know, I think it's – when you talk about cliches, a lot of times cliches are cliches for a reason. That's because they're true. And one of my favorites is that kind of, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And what I mean by that is when you don't have Lamonte Turner, who is this team's biggest big shot taker, this team for the past few years or a couple years, if it's needed a two late, it's gone to Grant Williams or maybe Schofield. If it's needed a three late, that's almost always been Lamonte Turner. He just, he loves those moments. He's at his best in those moments. He's ice cold. He's an assassin with situations like that. And he's not in the game and Williams isn't in the game. So at that point, you know, Bowden had made a couple nice shots. Bone, you know, can get streaky sometimes, but he wasn't having a great shooting game. That had to be Admiral. That was the only answer. That was the only thing Tennessee could do at that point. And every time out, Rick Barnes was sitting there and they were drawing up plays for Schofield. And Schofield, luckily for Tennessee, just he kind of rose to the occasion. He, he went on a heater and just had a performance for the ages, really. I mean, he's been named National Player of the Week, uh, SEC Player of the Week by various outlets, and, and deservedly so. And this game, I think, you know, th- this does – there are just so many benefits to this. I mean, that was a national stage. The only thing that made it unfortunate for Tennessee was that it was during an NFL Sunday. That's the only thing that kept it from being an even bigger story. Um, but you know, it, it, it was, it was big and it was in a big spot and the confidence Tennessee can take from this, what this means for the Tennessee basketball program, for the brand, for everything. You just don't get many shots to knock off a number one team. I mean, Rick Barnes might be a, a first ballot hall of fame guy at some point when he retires. Uh, and, and, and yet there he is never beating number one team until yesterday, you just don't get that many chances to play the team right number number one in the country. And Tennessee, for the first time in, in I guess, eight years, beat that team. And not just a, a number one team, a really good number one team that had already beaten Duke on a neutral court, scores 96.4 points per game offensively, has a, an NBA lottery pick, has a really good fifth-year senior point guard, has a bunch of size, has a bunch of kind of glue guys, just a really good team and a really good coach and a really good system. And beating them in that environment – I mean, that, that just that does a ton for this program, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, and it's it's not just beating them. It's it's coming back from down nine with, I think, 6.15 left uh, to steal that game. And obviously, like we talked about, with you're going the last couple of minutes without Grant Williams. But that one felt like yesterday, uh, kind of like all these big games in the past where they played well, they just haven't quite got over the hump uh, at North Carolina a couple of years ago, uh, Villanova last year in the Bahamas, even Kansas uh, a couple weeks ago in New York. Uh, they have won big games. Obviously, they beat Kentucky three times in Knoxville. They beat Kentucky at Rupp last year. They they got to the SEC tournament title game. They you know they uh, they got to the second round of the NCAA tournament. They've been in these big environments uh, on these big stages, uh, but to beat a number one team like Gonzaga, kind of in that environment where it kind of felt like a road game 
to come back to do it the way they did it to uh, hit the shots, get the shots hit that they got from uh, Admiral Schofield. Uh, I think you take a ton away from that because it's still like we talked about. It doesn't feel like you're playing your best basketball right now, uh, and you're still playing at this level. Yeah, when you have one really good player who who's not available to play, and then you have a superstar foul out, it's really nice to have another superstar on your team. It's really really nice to be able to have another guy you can just give the ball to and say, "Get out of his way. He's going to get a bucket." And I I just think that this team. Uh, and I've been saying this for a couple of years, this team has special qualities about it. And if you can be only one thing, some people would say, if I can only be one thing, I'd rather be talented. And, and maybe so. We've seen, you know, most NCAA tournament champions have uh, at least one lottery pick on the roster. I mean, being supremely talented helps. But I still think if you can only be one thing and you got to base everything around that one thing, I'll take toughness every day. Because if you have some flaws they're hard to overcome, but if you have toughness, that gives you a chance to kind of paper over the cracks. That gives you a chance to, to, to find a way to win when you're not at your best because you play 40 games, you're not always going to be at your best. And this team, I think we all agree, could play better. But if you have a toughness and a humility about what you do, that gives you a chance to, to really do special things. And I, I just – Grant, I think that people are saying this team is a national championship contender, and I 100% believe that. Am I crazy? No, I don't think you're crazy. Uh, they need to find more depth. Obviously, they can't rely on six guys to play 30 minutes a night uh, and do that from here, sitting here on December 10th all the way through March 5th or whatever is the final game of the season. Uh, they're going to have to find more bodies, more production. Can't just have numbers. You have to have actual depth. They need to get Lamonte back. Uh, but that toughness you talk about is a, it's a pretty big quality uh, when you add it to the chemistry this team's had for the last couple of years. Uh, and that toughness and that chemistry is going to be tested a ton because they're no longer uh, the hunters. They're the hunted. I mean, Memphis has already sold out for Saturday's game. That's their first true road game. Uh, that's going to be a, a good environment, a good test for them. Uh, they're going to have a lot more sold-out crowds uh, or a lot bigger crowds in SEC arenas uh, as they go through the schedule because now they're a bigger name. Uh, and people know what they're capable of. So uh, they're going to have that toughness tested, uh, but to be able to show it this early in the season against that quality of an opponent, uh, it makes you think they're a legit contender. Yeah, and you know what? The thing I think about that is, is that you look at a, a, a team that, that's in a situation like Tennessee is now, you're going to get everyone's best shot, but I think that's a good thing. That's gonna that What that's going to do – Ask Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, UCLA. Ask those programs over the years. Going into those environments, every basketball team loses some games here and there. This team's going to lose some games. And when you go on the road and you're such a huge draw now, as this team will be, uh, you're going to walk into some some kind of some snake pits. You're going to get bitten a couple times. You're going to lose. But that's going to make you better for the time of the season when you need to be at your best. So I completely agree that this team needs a couple guys, especially off the bench, to start playing better. Uh, I think we've seen some encouraging sounds from signs from Jordan Bowden, and that's good. But this team needs to do some things better, and it can play a lot better. Uh, but if you're going to go through a season like this and you're going to get everyone's best shot, that's going to make you so unbelievably prepared for postseason play. Now, it could come down to the draw. It could come down to who you get paired with. We all know that. You get a bad bracket, you get a tough bracket. Hey, you know what? That's life. You, you get a mid-major team that goes and hits like 23s against you, and all of a sudden, what do you do? Uh, anybody could lose that game. But 
this team is going to be tough and this team is going to be prepared for that time of the year. And I think that's only a good thing. I think they'll be much more battle tested uh, going into March. You know, assuming nothing crazy happens, they get through the uh, season with no crazy injuries and kind of everything stays on schedule. Uh, Like these tests you're talking about, uh, once they get to March, it's going to feel like there's going to be a lot more scar tissue built up uh, than maybe this time or that time last year when they got to March. It feels like it would be a lot uh, more difficult for a team like a Loyola of Chicago to kind of sneak up and and play a good game and beat them just because of how many – uh, tough environments or tough tough road games they've had uh, kind of when you're that targeted team. So uh, when you add kind of what they've uh, experienced last year, dating back to the wins and dating back to what happened with Loyola Chicago, and you combine that with what they're going to go through this season, they should be much better prepared when March comes around. Yeah, and I think this team keeps that kind of chip-on-its-shoulder mentality, which it needs to. And uh, you can be humble and you can be confident at the same time. And I think this team usually walks that line pretty well. Uh, I think they know. I think a lot of these guys came to Tennessee with a lot to prove. They felt undervalued. They felt underappreciated. Um, and, and they felt like they had a lot to prove. And I, I don't think that's the kind of thing that leaves you. You know, I mean, how many times did Michael Jordan talk about being cut from his middle school basketball team? I mean, over and over and over and over again. Sometimes if you're the right kind of competitor, those things just never leave you. And so I don't think this team's going to get too full of itself uh, and, and kind of get, get snuck up on that way. Um, but I do think there are some things this team does need to do better. Uh, it's got to get something. It's got to get more out of Fulkerson. Uh, I, I believe Rick Barnes when he says that Fulkerson can do more because we've all seen him do more. Uh, he's just got to be more consistent. Uh, he, he, he just He's frustrating at times. Uh, he is what he is. He's kind of that inflatable arm tube guy at, at times, and he's on the deck a lot. And, you know, you just hope that he's frustrating the other team more than he's frustrating your own team. Um, but you got him. You got Derek Walker, who can do more. Uh, you got Jalen Johnson, I think, who could do a little bit more. Eve Pons, I think, is going to keep developing. But they've got pieces, don't they? I mean, they've got potential guys who could do this. Oh, yeah, they, they definitely have the pieces there. And and you mentioned Bowden earlier. Obviously, yesterday was a big deal for him, hitting those three threes uh, in the moments that he hit them. Uh, obviously, Rick Barnes has talked a lot about since the game ended. He kind of tweaked his ankle Friday in practice. And it was kind of like a hush went over Pratt Pavilion because he had been playing pretty well in that practice, apparently, or the last couple of days in practice uh, before that happens. But he toughs it out, and he comes off the bench and scores uh, 11 big points, obviously. And uh, uh, and then there's the Lamonte Turner situation. I was kind of surprised he didn't give it a shot uh, yesterday, given how big that game was. But uh, that's just kind of something where it's going to have to wait and see what happens because it seems like it just keeps uh, getting pushed further and further along. I think if you start with those two pieces, what they can give you, uh, if Eve Pons can continue to be a, somebody that can start and let Bowden come off the bench and, and just give them solid minutes, if, you don't have to have a ton from Derek Walker and uh, John Fulkerson. Just give solid minutes and don't be a liability. Uh, go out there for you know three or four possessions uh, and not have everything go wrong. I think yeah. if you can just get to that point, you're, you're helping your team a ton. Yeah, if they're going to be in for about two rotations in each half, if they can just play pretty well, at least decently, in three of those four possessions, that steals a lot of minutes for you. And the thing is, you know, you don't want those guys being in the kind of mindset of they're going out there just to, to kind of steal some minutes here and there. You want those guys going in there thinking, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to make a play. And I think they've got the ability to do that. But 
I mean, you you saw it. You you see little things here and there. Eve Pond Eve Pond's not not blocking out the free throw shooter. You know, Jalen Johnson getting a rebound and putting the ball on the deck instead of just going back up with it and scoring. Just a lot of little things that these guys. Uh, you know, they need to learn, and they need to learn pretty quickly. They're being coached every day. We know that. Uh, we can see that. Um, but that I think it's an exciting thing when you say, look how much this team has done so far, and look how far it is from playing its best basketball. I mean, that, that's a good thing, right? If you're playing your best basketball right now, that's not a good thing. I think it's a good thing for Tennessee that there's a lot more they it, it still can do. Yeah, and uh, that's what that's what it, somebody like Rick Barnes is going to say. You're gonna you're gonna want to keep building towards March. You never want to uh, be a team that's playing its best basketball in December because obviously you're not doing a ton uh, in December except picking up some of these wins uh, like they did yesterday or, or like they did over Louisville or uh, in New York or you know whoever. Maybe you that's great. That that helps your resume uh, when it comes time for March and. Uh, selection Sunday and stuff like that helps you in the rankings and uh, being the number three team in the country. You know, this is only the fourth week uh, in the history of the program. They've been a top three team in the AP poll and that's a big deal. And that's great. But you know, it's, it's just kind of footnotes uh, along the season as you're building towards March. And uh, you want to be your best, your best team uh, in March. Cause you, you look what happens with the loyal Chicago last year. You never know what kind of run you can go on. Uh, if the right guys are doing the right things, uh, at the right time. Yeah, and last thing before we let you go, Grant, I know you're having a kind of a, a long, interesting day there in Denver, but when, when you look at sort of what's next for Tennessee, you've got some some fall, or, or I should say spring, some, uh, let me try it one more time, fall semester final exams uh, for Tennessee this week, um, and then you've got Memphis on Saturday uh, playing at the Forum. We always know what Tennessee-Memphis games are like. We know that it's going to be sold out. We know that there's going to be plenty of orange in there, but we know there's going to be a lot of blue in there, and we know that blue hates orange. And, and we know – I mean, I've been in there a couple times for Tennessee-Memphis games, and it's always kind of a hornet's nest. It's a really fun environment but a really challenging one. And I know that with Penny Hardaway there at Memphis, they're going to have more talent in the future than they have now. Um, but they've got a couple pretty good players now, and they're 5-4. and four. They've played a couple good games and, and some pretty tough games, but – I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see how this team kind of reacts. Uh, you know, it's kind of this is going to be one of the first games with a huge target on your back playing a rival that really, really wants to scalp you. I think it's going to be a really fun game Saturday. Yeah, and, and we talked about yesterday's the Gonzaga game feeling like, like a road game. It's, it's going to feel completely different still yet uh, for Memphis based on uh, kind of all the, the situation, the context that you built up there. Uh, this team, these two teams haven't played in six years. Which is a crime. Uh, which is, a, and it's a lifetime basically for uh, when you consider the age of these kids playing the game. And uh, obviously, this series got set up when Tubby Smith was there. But uh, Rick Barnes said last week it's something that they, you know, they've got it on the books for three years. And he said hopefully uh, by the end of that third year, they can, it's something that they can keep going. So hopefully, this becomes something annually to look forward to if, if you're going to sell out arenas and stuff like that, uh, play neutral site games in Nashville with Memphis. I mean, that could be a really fun series. Uh, and yeah, it's it's a it's a Memphis team that's obviously uh, there's an excitement there with Penny and what he's done with the program and the, how how he's recruited so well so early. Uh, they've lost four games and three of those have been to the three Power Five teams they've played: uh, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, and LSU. So uh, it's a game Tennessee should win, but obviously it's going to be a really good test. And uh, and how about Tyler Harris, the the Cordova point guard? Uh, who picked Memphis over Tennessee. He's Memphis's leading scorer right now. He yeah. averages 
16.2 a night, and he hits 39.5% from the three-point line. Little he's dude's a, a player. All of, all of five foot nine, 150 pounds. Imagine if he had picked Tennessee and, and what he would have brought to this roster. Yeah, that kid's a really good player, and, and Penny's going to get a lot more good players there. He, he's, he's got an unbelievable signing class he's going to have coming in next year. Uh, it's going to be a really, really going to add some more to that series. And my thought on this series is I don't care whether it's played, whether you go Memphis and Knoxville every other year. I don't care if you go Memphis, Knoxville, Nashville every three years. So you're playing at Memphis, Nashville, Knoxville, Memphis, Nashville, Knoxville. Or I don't care if you played in Nashville every year. I guess my preference would be to rotate it between Memphis, Knoxville, and Nashville. Um, but I think that the bottom line is this game has to be played. I don't care who's the athletic director. I don't care who's the head coach. I don't care who the chancellors are. I don't care how much the Board of Regents and the University of Tennessee system don't love each other. Uh, and I have a, a wife uh, and a mother who work on different sides of that spectrum, so I know how many differences they have on some things, not them personally, but just those two systems have with each other. But this game has to be played every year. I think but this is such a great basketball state and it never gets quite enough credit for being a great basketball state. Um, but Tennessee and Memphis playing each other every year would help elevate that and help that cause. And I would personally like to see uh, if they played in Nashville, play like a triple header or a quadruple header, start games at noon and have all those teams from inside the state of Tennessee have the, you know, the ETSUs, MTSUs, Belmonts, Lipscombs, Chattanoogas, um, you know, Austin P. bring everybody and have Tennessee State, have them all play each other uh, one day in Nashville. That could be really fun. But the bottom line is I just think this game has to be played. It has to be played every year. And I think there's a responsibility that both of these athletic departments have and these programs have to this state to play this game. Yeah, and it, it's, a, it's a no-brainer, I think, to a lot of people, and it has been for the last six years uh, while they weren't playing. And I think it's even more of a no-brainer moving forward because – uh, right now you've got Tennessee at number three. They haven't been this high since they beat Memphis uh, in 2008 in that number one versus number two game. Uh, you have Penny at Memphis just getting started, and obviously he's going to build a uh, what he hopes is a powerful program with a lot of big-name talent. Uh, if, tennis, if these two programs trend in that direction, uh, it becomes a huge, huge meeting year in and year out, and I think you're approaching it. Uh, I agree with the Knoxville or Memphis-Knoxville-Nashville however you want to divide it up as long as you're rotating all three seasons. I think that's the best-case scenario because you get a little bit of everything involved. Uh, it can be fun as a neutral site game. It can be fun as a home game for both teams. So uh, give it all a shot, and, and hopefully they keep it going uh, beyond this first three-year contract. And I didn't want to leave out UT Martin when I was mentioning the Division One programs, programs in the state. I knew I was forgetting someone. So sorry, Skyhawks, the artist formerly known as the Baby Balls. You're, you're, you're a noted uh, You're a noted UT Martin hater, anyway. So yeah, actually, actually know the head football coach there, and he's a, he's a good dude. So I, uh, I got no problems with the Skyhawks. So yeah, I mean, I th- I just think I'm glad this game is being played. Uh, I'm glad that this is back on, and I know why Passner didn't want to play it. I understand that. If you're a Memphis coach, why do you want to see all that orange in your hometown? I understand that, but I think it's the responsibility of the athletic directors and chancellors and presidents to make them play that game. So uh, I'm glad that they're doing that. And I think it's going to be a fun week. Uh, it's a great time for Tennessee to be playing Memphis, obviously. Tennessee just got a big spotlight put on itself again, and now the Vols get to take that spotlight over to Memphis. So uh, it's it's going to be fun, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and, Grant, I'm looking forward to uh, you being back in town, buddy. I know you've had quite the day there in Denver. Is there anything else I uh, that you need to say, anything you need to get off your chest before we let you go? No, uh, just go ahead and cut and paste all the 
uh, conspiracy theory stuff and send it to me, and I'll double check. Yeah, I'm gonna. Sure I didn't miss anything and, and go back through it. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna get that 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 movie trailer guy to uh, to to use his voice, and we're going to, you know, Grant at the Denver airport. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna maybe, be nice. Maybe if I maybe if I t- find too much stuff, I'll disappear, so it won't be coming back. So. I should uh, caution myself. Yeah, I'll call this one "Angels and Demons" and Ramy. That's what I'll call this. Uh, that's what I'll call this edition of the podcast. So, Grant, uh, happy happy flight coming home, buddy, and we'll uh, we'll see you when you get back to uh, the eight six five. All right, man. See you later. That was my conversation from just about an hour or so ago with Tennessee basketball beat writer Grant Ramy from GoVols twenty four seven, aka Mister Sunshine, aka Mister Personality, aka Mister Donuts a.k.a. Mr. Compression Pants, a.k.a. Mr. Personality, Grant Ramey. So thanks to Grant for joining us from the Denver airport, although I got to say he was just sitting in the airport. We're going to give him a medal. I mean, he's just sitting there. Might as well talk on the phone and give some people some information, right? Regardless, I feel duty-bound to say thank you to Grant for joining us and giving us some of his thoughts from the Tennessee-Gonzaga game. Certainly want to thank all of y'all who listened to this podcast today. Special Monday edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We'll be back later in the week, as always, with the football podcast. Certainly tons to get to there. Tennessee coach Jeremy Pruitt going through the motions, deliberately going through the motions. I don't know if I say going through the motions. Going through the process. Let's say process. Going through the process of finding the proper offensive coordinator for Tennessee's football future. We'll have more on that. Certainly, we're covering that as it happens. I'm doing that. Patrick Brown's doing that. Grant Ramey's doing that. Ryan Callahan's doing that. We're all working on that, and we will have more information for you as soon as possible. As always, you can find us on social media. You can go to facebook.com slash govals247. You can go to twitter.com slash govals 24-7. I'm Wes Rucker. You can find me on Twitter at Wes Rucker 24-7. You can find Grant Ramey on Twitter at Grant Ramey. You can find Patrick Brown on Twitter at pbrown 24-7. And you can find Ryan Callahan on Twitter at Ryan Callahan 24-7. Or if you want to just bypass all that and go directly to the source, you can go get our unfiltered thoughts at govals 247.com we always have good specials we'll have some good holiday specials some recruiting signing period specials certainly a ton to get to there with the early signing period opening up lots of basketball news basketball recruiting news baseball news coming up pretty soon with baseball season starting maria cornelius always doing a great job for us covering the lady balls who also are ranked top 10 in the country and won at 12th ranked texas over the weekend so Big weekend for Tennessee basketball all the way around. We've got you covered from all of those angles and more at GoVols247.com. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thanks for being loyal listeners, loyal subscribers to our website. And we will uh, we'll be back later in the week, and we'll have more for you then. See you.